0: going on everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine Podcast. This is episode 59. I'm your host Riley. This week, Ryder Cup man. What an ass kicking that was. Unbelievable. Um, I was pretty confident in the US chances to win that Ryder Cup uh, because at some point the players on one team are just better at golf than the players are on the other team and that was just blatantly obvious when you just looked at the two rosters on paper before the week started. But obviously all like we talked about it last week on the show, all the locker room chemistry problems between Brooks, between Bryson, potentially between Brooks and DJ after the fiasco that happened at TPC Harding Park, after all that kind of stuff. But again, sometimes the roster on one team is just better than the roster on the other. And that is what showed up in Wisconsin this week. The U.S. Dominated the European team pretty much from start to finish. I think, I mean, average, on average, I know some of the sessions didn't work out completely like this, but I mean, they were up nine to three after the first three sessions. So you just won each session on average three to one, which that is an absolute ass kicking. And thank God that the Europeans had John Rahm because if they didn't have John Rahm, they might have won what three points this week total. But it was still just. A butt kicking when you over double somebody. when you double up somebody, that's um, that's an ass kicking. And the United States were just absolutely locked in. They obviously had something going on behind the scenes where they believed in each other. They got that got rid, excuse me, of that locker room BS. You saw all like the interactions between Brooks and Bryson before the thing even started, although some people thought that little range thing was stage. But I mean, the guys were in the locker room trying to win, win a Ryder Cup. And after in the press conferences, you saw Brooks, you saw Bryson holding the trophy together, giving hugs. Brooks just posted 25 minutes ago um, shirts on his Twitter that are going to benefit his charity. And one of them is just Bryson and Brooks together, like with an American flag behind them. That's the kind of stuff that happened. And it was an unbelievable week for the U.S. side. The European side had some serious disappointment, including my guy. It's really the one week of in two years that I I don't want to say root against Roy McIlroy but it's one of those things where like I'm not actively rooting for Roy McIlroy and he got dog walked the first couple days it was it was not good um he didn't have his game and we're obviously going to we're gonna get to his interview here in a little bit but yeah, just a lot of disappointment on the European side. The Americans came up huge. Pretty much everybody on that roster played played lights out. Even Harris English and Tony Finau were winning matches, and that's what it comes down to. When your whole team plays well, it was just an absolute ass kicking, and it was awesome. So we don't really have headlines to be honest. So we're just going to kind of jump right into the Ryder Cup. Um, the post the post Ryder Cup press conferences remains one of the best things in golf. DJ was wasted. And it was fantastic. That one question posed to him about if he could still out party everybody, even though he's the only guy in the roster. And he said, absolutely. One of the great moments, Xander absolutely hammered in the front row, smoking on a cigar, winking at people. It was fantastic. And that's what it's all about. Those boys celebrated hard. It was hilarious. They were drinking even before the thing was over. Like Once the guys were winning matches, they were drinking. It was just fantastic. And you just love it. And bringing up DJ, he was 5-0 and on the week, ridiculous, undefeated. Him and Colin cow were a fucking problem. And I brought up the idea of having Bryson DeChambeau and Colin cow play in the same group just because they kind of even out. And Stricker, to probably a good decision, chuck it up to a good decision, I think, is keeping Bryson out of foursomes because when you keep Bryson out of foursomes, you you stay away from the really high scores because obviously you, you reap the benefits of his long drives when he connects on one, but not. You can find really shitty spots. You can find hazards. You can find bunkers, and then all of a sudden you're making eight, and then you can't win holes when you're making double bogey. So keeping him out of force was probably the right decision. But on the other hand, pairing him with Dustin Johnson was probably – even a better decision because you get DJ who drives it not as far as Bryson, but DJ is annually one of the longest hitters on tour and you pair him up with one of the best iron players to ever play golf already. Like his stats are comparable to like a prime Tiger Woods. That's how good Colin Murakawa is with his irons and you give that duo an opportunity to win matches and they went three and zero, absolutely demolished everybody. And that's what you needed out of DJ. We talked about that last week on the show that the two guys that we were looking at to step up, and one of them was DJ. We needed DJ, the second ranked player in the world, to show up at Whistling Straits this week and win most of his matches. Did I think that he was going to go 5-0? and No, you can't assume that anybody is going to go 5-0. and But DJ showed up, golfed his fucking ball, and he was money. And he was in that mode where Dustin Johnson, we saw it at the Northern Trust a couple years ago up in Boston. When he has it going, he makes golf look absurdly easy, and that's what was happening. I think it, what was it, Friday afternoon four ball when he hit like three birdie putts in a row over 20 feet or something like that, something around that area. He was making golf look easy, and that's the Dustin Johnson that the United States Ryder Cup team needed to show up, and man, oh man, did he fucking show up. DJ was Perfect on the week. And he got the drunkest, which you love to see that. His partner, Colin Morikawa, also had a great week. He was 3 0 one Did not lose in his Ryder Cup appearance. And his only half point came to uh, Victor Hovland in in singles on Sunday. Which, I mean, if I was there, if I was at Whistling Straits, that's probably the match that I would have followed if I wasn't going to follow Xander and Rory. Because Colin Morikawa versus Victor Hovland, that is the matchup that you're going to see at the Ryder Cup for the next 15 years. Those boys are going to be in it every single year. And they were outstanding. And that's kind of the only result of that match that I thought I was going to see. It was going to be close down to the wire, and a half just makes perfect sense. But Colin Morikawa, a couple majors on um, on his resume already, a WGC win on his roster already, and was the one to officially win the Ryder Cup. The kid at whatever year's old, 23, 24, I don't even know. The kid has put on a resume that could probably be part of Golf Hall of Fame already. That's how absurd this kid has been early in his career. And to come out and put a stamp on this Ryder Cup team and be one of the keys, is it surprising? No, because he's one of the best players in the world. But for him to be a young age and kind of just really get into that environment and just kick ass all week long – I mean, sure, he had a great partner in Dustin Johnson. It's tough to go wrong on there, but those boys made a lot of birdies. I think Dustin, on counted holes, was 19 under. I think Morikawa was like 16 under, so good luck beating that team at all all week. I mean, no one did, and it makes sense, but Kyle, uh, Kyle Morikawa showed up. So did Xander. I had him as the um, leading American points getter for the week. He was 3-0. and in his first three matches, and then he got held out of Saturday afternoon four ball, which was a little disappointing, obviously, because that hurts our chances of winning that bet, especially after Dustin Johnson won his match to go 4-0. Now Xander needed to win Sunday singles to match it, and DJ needed to lose for us to win that. But Xander 3-0... and Again, played really good golf with Patrick Cantlay. He's one of those guys that he doesn't really get in trouble that much and can make a hell of a lot of birdies. He can flip on the switch and just do that. He played phenomenal golf. Obviously got his ass kicked by Rory on Sunday, but again, it didn't really matter. Scotty Scheffler. Again, I brought this piece up a couple times on here already, but I wrote a piece for Golf Week saying that Scotty Scheffler was going to be the most important captain's pick that Captain Stricker made. And, I mean, it's hard not to... Argue that he was. He was sick. I think he was 2-0 1. He beat down John Rahm. I think he was four up through four holes yesterday, like an absolute ass kicking. Which again, that's one of the ones, that's one of the things that we talked about when we originally discussed Cody Scheffler being a part of this team. He beat Ian Poulter and John Rahm in Austin earlier this year at the match play. He showed that he can do that kind of shit. He showed that he can bring the energy, even though he's a very laxadaisical lats- guy on the golf course and doesn't really seem to get the emotion part of him. So he didn't, I don't believe he lost. I think he was 2-0-1-1, beat John Rahm, and then he was the perfect partner for Bryson DeChambeau. That was part of the reason why he got put on that team. They needed to pick somebody to be like, you are going to be with Bryson all week, Go get some wins. And they did. It's exactly what they did. And they were an electric duo. They played really, really well together. They fed off the energy. Obviously, Bryson was a little bit more animated with his energy. But I think that plus Scotty's, you know, kind of just going around the golf course. Obviously, he got hyped at some points, but they just made a really good pair. And Scotty Scheffler was money. And that was awesome to see. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players on tour because he just gets it done when the most is on the line. You just look at his major record. His major record is ridiculous, especially last year. And you pair him with Bryson, just a good pair. And Bryson was fucking electric, man. He was, and that's coming from a guy, obviously you guys know, if you guys listen to the show enough, you know that I'm not a big Bryson DeChambeau guy. But I don't know if it was his energy, his talking, and his shit against the European team. He took off that stupid fucking hat. That might've been problematic part of the problem also like he wasn't wearing the hat maybe that's why I was I didn't hate him as much this week but obviously winning the Ryder Cup is more important than just like rooting against somebody on the American team a key player on the American team but Bryson was electric his stick the putter in the hole and like look at this it's inside the leather staring at the European boys electric I love every second of that and he was awesome drove the first green on Sunday singles had 71 yards under the par five fifth I believe that was what friday i think that was his first day during his first match ridiculousness he was electric awesome he made me i don't want to say a fan but i don't think i hate him as much now that's just what happened so i don't know so shout out bryson he was great jordan spieth um he struggled a little bit with his putter obviously him and jt make a great pairing i think they actually lost their first match um but he struggled a little bit with the putter, which was kind of annoying, especially later in the week. As the week went on, the putter got colder and colder, which has been a bit of a bummer. But it's always great watching Jordan Spieth in that environment because he's one of those guys that kind of just fully shoulders it and just takes advantage of every single thing. Getting the crowd pumped up, feeding off of that stuff. It's awesome to watch Jordan Spieth in that environment. Justin Thomas. He is Captain America. I don't give a shit anymore. We said it on the show last week that Justin Thomas had to go to Wisconsin, had to go to Whistling Straits, pick up the Captain America shield that Patrick Reed left in his locker when he wasn't selected for the Ryder Cup team, pick it up, yield it, and go play really good golf. And that's exactly what he did. He was great all week long. I know that he struggled in his first session on Friday, but he picked it up. He was definitely the most emotional and came back after being down, what, three through nine, came all the way back to get a half point. That is huge. He was feeding off the energy probably more than anybody. He was yugging beers with Daniel Berger on 18 on Saturday. He was tossing out beers into the crowd on Saturday. On Sunday, he was yelling all over the place, getting the crowd hyped, beat the fuck out of Terrell Hatton. That's the uh, Justin Thomas that we needed to show up. That's the JT that US needed. He was exactly that and more. And again, he's going to be the guy over the next... However many Ryder Cups, the next five Ryder Cups, six Ryder Cups that the America looks for, you need that Justin Thomas. And he is the epitome of a golfer that just loves to play for America. And he is such an easy guy to root for. And especially as a golf fan, for me, sometimes the weekly grind of just PGA Tour events, shake your hand, no emotion. Thank you very much. I just hit a 30-footer to win the golf tournament and just no emotion. This is a week that I love because as a guy that played team sports for the majority of his life you don't really like I never played golf in college high school whatever I never was like oh thank you very much hitting putts or whatever like playing basketball growing up playing all these sports growing up like you get hype for shit and that's why this week is so fun and that's why JT is so good at the Ryder Cup and President's Cups you remember Tiger Woods he feeds off that kind of stuff so I loved it and Brooks Kepka was doing Brooks things man He was fun. Um, He struggled a little bit to start the week, but then really got into his own and then almost did the most Brooks Koepka thing of all time and won the Ryder Cup with a hole in one. I think one of the fans said get in the hole and he said it is before literally almost lipping out for a hole in one to win it on 17. He was he was awesome all week long and he handled he handled the beef with Bryson really really well. I don't care if the the rage thing was staged. I don't really think it was. All the news coming out of that camp was they were having really good conversations all week. They were really getting along. And as the week progressed, just more videos came out of that, more pictures came out of them being next to each other and all that kind of stuff. And now I just that beef is totally under the table and that's what winning does. When you win events like this, you all the relationship BS kind of gets pushed to the side under the bridge. And now it's just like, let's go win a fucking Ryder cup. And that's what they did. And it was awesome. And now Bryce, uh, Brooks on his website has merch with him and Bryson on the shirt together. Like that's where we are now. And I think that's awesome because I talked about that last week on the show. Like it was getting a little old, like all that BS. Oh, look at this guy. I hate this guy. Blah, 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 blah. It was funny at first, right? And then as it went on, people just got tired of it. And that's coming from a guy that's not a big Bryson guy. So at first the piling on was like funny. And then eventually it's like, man, like this is just an old bit now. Putting that under the bridge saying, fuck it. Let's be boys. Let's go win a Ryder Cup. And they did it. I don't think we'll see any problems between those two in the future. And I'm sure we'll actually see them paired up this upcoming season uh, and not a majority of like big events, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Bryson and Brooks play together on like a Thursday of the PGA championship next year, or like a Thursday of the masters next year. Like that doesn't surprise me now that they get along. It's great on the European side. However, the only guy obviously you could, you could argue Sergio Garcia showed up, but really it was John Rahm who Sergio was just lucky enough to get paired with John Rahm all week. Something like some sort of like spiritual entity entered like 2000 Tiger Woods has officially entered John Rahm. We're at that level. Every part of his game is borderline perfect. He just aims left off the tee, hits a perfect cut pretty much every single time, can work it both ways with his irons. He works the ball right to left a lot better than he thought he did. I thought he did rather. He can really draw the ball. He can really turn it over with his irons, and that's really fun to watch, especially when you think of a lot of guys that only hit cuts. Like DJ doesn't hit that draws unless the ball's above his feet. Alex Noren only wants to see the ball move left to right. Like a lot of the guys that cut the golf ball only want to see it go that way. When you see draws of the golf ball be able to work it both ways like you look at jordan you look at jt i mean jt primarily hits a cut, but he can easily work it the other way rory hits a draw but can work it the other way tony finau hits a cut but can work it the other way a cut player rarely moves it right to left like a decent amount and john rom is like one of the only guys on the planet that does that a lot and that was really entertaining to see his short game is absurd and his putting is spectacular. Like it was there were stretches throughout the week where whenever he was looking at a 25, 30 foot putt, you were just like, oh, well, this is going in. And then it went in. And it was entertaining. I mean, it sucked as a US fan, like, man, he is killing everybody that he plays. But it's at a point where John Rom is entering territory where he might win two majors next year. He might win five events next this season. Like it's ridiculous the level that he plays golf. But we've seen this in the past. Like we saw DJ rattle off three wins within a five-start span Uh, a couple years ago when he was going through the playoffs one Augusta and you're thinking man how is DJ ever going to play bad golf and then throughout the entirety of last season he just did nothing so it can happen it can turn off real quick but John Rahm's game seems so complete that you don't really see that ever happening Shane Lowry which was one of the captain's picks per Project Harrington. He had a huge week. He brought the energy. Um, a lot of people, even me were saying, "I don't know how you leave that guy off the golf course Saturday morning, especially when you already sit you sit Rory, and then you also sh- sit Shane Lowry. like he was the only one bringing the energy, especially at the end of what was that Friday. Where we, oh no no that was the end of Saturday where he was getting all hyped up with Taylor Hatton but like he was bringing the energy the whole time even when he was paired with Rory like he was trying to get all the people going and he and he was like the only one he was awesome to see take really good advantage of that environment he was that putt on eighteen on Saturday was fucking awesome so good for him and then Rory is going to be the last guy we kind of mentioned before we wrap up the Ryder Cup here and. Obviously, the week didn't go as he planned. Him and Ian Poulter were paired together Friday morning and got their doors blown off. Him and Shane Lowry were paired on Friday afternoon. Sorry, it kind of takes me a second to like put together all the pairings and the order and everything. And then they ended up losing also... He gets held out of Saturday foursomes, which really wasn't that big as a prize. Friday was the first time that Rory ever lost two matches in a Ryder Cup in the same day. And then Saturday morning was the first time that Rory McIlroy ever missed a session of a Ryder Cup. And we're talking about a guy that that was his fifth Ryder Cup, I believe. And the four previous, he played all five sessions. So he gets sat and then comes out Saturday afternoon and then loses again. Didn't even get to the 16th hole, which is just ridiculous. And then goes out on goes out on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. First match out with Xander Shoffley. I think he birdied the first two holes. I think he was like three up through three and then just ended up went beating Xander pretty much all day long, making good pots. I mean, he missed some, but he was making good pots all day and ended up winning 3-2. And then this was kind of the interview that went around social media very quickly. And this is one of the reasons why... And he hasn't always been like this, obviously. When he was younger, he wouldn't do this kind of stuff. But this is one of the reasons why Roy McIlroy has been my favorite player for so long, since he was literally in those titleless clubs in the Jermai hat or whatever the fuck it was with his curly locks flown out the back of it. And I forget who it was on Twitter, but I think one of the um, one of the ladies that works for Golf Channel, um, one of their young broadcasters tweeted, uh, athletes don't have, it's not their responsibility to be role models, right? That's just not I know kids look up to him and all that kind of stuff, but it's not really their responsibility to do that. But Roy McIlroy embodies everything that you would want out of a superstar in any sport ever. He's genuine with the media. He does fantastic work off the golf course. He's great on the golf course. Obviously, he's achieved a lot right part of five Ryder Cup teams. Now he's won four majors. He is exactly what you want out of a superstar. And he goes out and he gets buck kicked for the first two days. And obviously, he puts on the board, he puts a point on the board for the Euro side on Sunday, but gives one of the most emotional speeches I've ever seen a golfer give. And it was highlighted by the fact that he said, if you're a young girl or boy at home right now watching this, it should be your life goal in golf to play for either the Solheim Cup or the Ryder Cup. There's because there's nothing better than playing for a team. And this is something, especially on the European side, the US side has a team event every single year the President's Cup, they play every other year, and then obviously the Ryder Cup. For the European side, they only get this every two years. And I think that's part of where the emotion comes from, right? He's been in, on the PGA Tour for 10, 11 years now, but this is only his fifth Ryder Cup. I mean, Ryder Cup wise, that's a lot. But when you think about it, only five times. He was just so genuine. And the Sky Sports one might have been even better than the Golf Channel one, than the NBC one. And that's why he's just the fucking best. And Solly from No Laying Up tweeted the same fucking thing. Right after the interview aired, he tweeted, and those boys give Rory a lot of shit. Can't get up to the moment. will never win another major. Celebrating while losing matches, whatever. But then you get this where you get a genuine interview, tears behind the green because he knows that he didn't step up for his teammates when he needed them all week and the emotion poured over him. That's why you root for fucking Rory McIlroy every single week. I don't give a fuck. You root for him every single week because that's what that dude is about. And it was one of the best moments I've ever seen on a fucking golf course. It was amazing. That guy deserves all the support in the world. It was great. It was really awesome to see, and I hope he's going to be there, obviously, the next time the Ryder Cup comes around, and uh, yeah, I just, he ended the year on a good note, he had a lot of, I think he had like four out of the last five starts, he had like top 20 or top 25 finishes, he was playing good golf at the end of the season, hopefully he can roll that over into this upcoming year and just play really good golf, because I mean, if a, a man in golf deserves to have a really good year. It's Rory. It's Rory McIlroy. And I cannot wait to watch him on a golf course this year. But speaking of the golf course, whistling Straits was amazing. The last time we saw it was the 2015 PGA championship when Jason day won. I don't really remember it. I honestly don't know how much I was watching it senior in high school. I might've watched a little bit, but not as in depth to like really pay attention to the golf course. The golf course was incredible. The first holes, great drivable for some guys. Shane Lowry even drove that hole. The second, the par five. Third, the par three, like the course was gorgeous. Par five, fifth was crazy serpentine. Six was drivable, incredible par three, seventh. The ninth was great. 10 was good. Like the golf course was just fantastic. Having the 17th be a par three and then the 18th be a tough par four is a great finisher. Whistling Straits was better than I ever expected it to be. And I wanna go play it. I mean, Wisconsin seems like a fantastic place to go play golf especially the Midwest, man. You got Aaron Hills out there too. Like we got to go out there and play some golf, film some golf videos for you guys. But yeah, overall, the Ryder Cup was obviously coming from a US fan, was fantastic. And I can't wait for the next one. 2023 Rome sucks that we have to wait two years, even though it was technically, technically supposed to be 2022. But because of COVID-19, obviously the 2020 Ryder Cup was played at the end of 2021. It was really funny to see all like the apparel those guys were wearing. It just said 2020 Ryder Cup. But 2023, we're going to Rome. And Jordan said they have unfinished business. He said that the the home Ryder Cup—that's the one that you're supposed to win. It's a tough winning across the pond, but their roster—I mean, this is what their Ryder Cup team is get. You could borderline say, regardless of what happens over the next two years, just bring this same roster. I don't know if you can beat that roster, right? You had the world—what, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten—on that roster. I'm pretty sure. How are you going to beat that, especially with Europe? aging right who knows if sergio is going to be on there lee westwood i could give a two fuck about him he's old and sucks now um i think he actually even won his sunday match who cares i'm not worried about lee westwood Uh, there's just burn weisberg like i'm not worried about him maddie fitzpatrick is i mean i don't really worry about him like europeans better get some young kids in there because it's it might be another ass kicking If they show up to a roster like they had this week and then have to face that same U.S. roster, I don't give a fuck where you're playing golf. Especially when the chemistry problems are like no longer a problem. It doesn't matter. Like I said at the top of the show, at some point, you're just better at golf than all the other players on that other team. So who knows? But all my venting about the Ryder Cup out of the way. We can get into the Sanderson Farms Championship, which man, if you watched all the Ryder Cup and now you got to sit down this weekend and watch the Sanderson Farms Championship, you're going to be hurting because this is going to suck. The defending champion Sergio Garcia, the only Ryder Cup player in the field, which automatically means this field sucks. Sergio Garcia is the defending champion; he will be here. The only really other other notable names are Matty Wolf, which at this point I don't even know if he is really a notable name. Obviously everybody knows him, but he doesn't really do anything anymore. And then Will Zalatoris, who just coming off a PGA tour rookie of the year win, obviously is now official member of the PGA tour. One of my, one of my favorite players he's in the field. But other than that, this field sucks. The golf course is nice though. Country club of Jackson par 72, 7,461 yards, a little bit uh, bigger than the golf course that we just played in Napa for the Fortinet championship they did a uh, partial redesign of this golf course back in 2008, and some of it was to resemble kind of what Donald Ross, if you guys don't know who Donald Ross is, that's the guy who designed Pinehurst and a, obviously a bunch of other, has actually done a lot of work up here in the Northeast. I actually played a uh, Donald Ross design late last year um, in the mountains of New Hampshire, and it was incredible. But a lot of his stuff is just undulation around the green, off areas, very tricky greens to putt on. That's what Donald Ross really emphasizes in his course design and that's kind of what they tried to do back in 20 uh 2008 it's a really awesome golf course six of the last eight winners here were actually first time pga tour winners so you're going to see that reflected in a couple of our players to watch for the week performance off the tee is what we're really going to be looking for and that doesn't mean just driving it long that doesn't mean just hitting a bunch of fairways it has to be a really good combination of that some tree line holes that kind of force you not necessarily to hit the fairway, but if you're in the rough on the wrong side, you're going to completely blocked out. So it's one of those golf courses. You just need to drive it really, really well. And again, if you look at the winner last year, Sergio Garcia has been one of the best drivers of the golf ball for the last two decades. Cameron Champ won here in 2018. So that's the kind of driver you need to bring here. Low scoring is going to be it. I think uh, the majority of the uh, past champions since this golf tournament has been held here, have been anywhere from like 1800 to 21 under. So that's the range that we're look uh, going to be looking for this week. The weather, we're going to get some scattered thunderstorms Tuesday and Wednesday, um, 40%, 53% chance of rain on Tuesday, 40% chance of rain on Wednesday, Thursday might see some scattered thunderstorms also at 42% chance of rain blowing six, but then the rest of the week looks great. Friday is 88, partly cloudy, 14% chance of rain blowing seven Saturdays, 88, partly cloudy, 8% chance of rain blowing seven Sundays, 85, partly cloudy, 24% chance of rain and blowing six. So the weather looks pretty damn good. Might, might soften up the golf course a little bit here in the early week, but by the time, you know, really good golf is supposed to be played later in the week. Uh, the conditions should be really good, which is awesome. And again, key stats for the week, you just got to be really good off the tee. I know last year, the Ser- uh, Sergio's best strokes gain category last year was approach, but he also drove the ball really well. And again, we're looking for that really good combination of accuracy and distance. You need a good mix of both. And that's what we're looking for. Data golf information. I was gonna give you guys some course comparisons for Country Club of Jackson, but they were all golf courses that I've never heard of before. But two of them, two of the golf courses that were inside the top eight in course comparison were both courses at uh Torrey Pines, South and North. North was, I think, the third comparison. So the golf course at Tory Pines that the guys usually tear up five, six, seven under. That's why that's how it's gonna play this week. Trending of the players in the field, Sam Burns is number one, T twenty one. Solo 8th and T18 are his last three starts. Sungjae J M 16 Solo 3rd and T20. And Sergio Garcia miscut T6, T14, and then like an okay week at the Ryder Cup. But I'm sure that he's, um, I don't know. I've, I feel like that's kind of hard. You come off playing match play all week, being with a partner in that environment, really gassed up for it. I don't know how much Sergio is going to show up this week, but we'll see. Uh, data Golf percent chance to win. Sam Burns is at four point seven percent. Sergio is at four point three, and Will Zalatoris is also at four point three. Let me bring up. Let me get Tipico Sportsbook out. Give you guys some odds. Will Zalatoris on Tipico is actually the betting favorite at plus fifteen hundred. Sam Burns is also at fifteen hundred. Then you get to Sergio, who's at plus two thousand. Corey Connors is at plus two thousand. Sungjae Im's at plus two thousand. Charlie Hoffman's at three. Uh, Keegan, uh, Keegan Bradley excuse me, is at three. Cameron Golly's is at three. Siwoo Kim is at three. So now you get it where if these guys are at the top of betting odds, that's when you know that the field is going to be very, very weak, which sucks because obviously coming off a of Ryder Cup, you want a really good golf tournament to watch over the weekend. That's not what you're going to get this week. It's just not happening, which sucks. Some players to watch. We only got three for the week, and then we'll get out of here. I bring him up every week because eventually I'm going to be right. It's one of those things. It's just the same thing that Max Kell- Max Kellerman kept saying that Tommy, uh Tommy Brady was gonna fall off a cliff. Eventually he was gonna be right. It's the same thing. Wills Al Torres has to win a golf tournament at some point. He was T11 a couple weeks ago at the Fortinet championship. He was fifth in the field in strokes saying T to Green. Again, that's the really big s- stat that I'm gonna be looking for around country Cup Jackson is how you perform T to Green. His putting again. I don't want to say he like struggled on the greens. He just didn't make enough putts to win the golf tournament. It's just putting stroke makes me nervous, man. It's so fucking yippy. He like brings it back on like an angle and swipes across it and is like hoping for the best. It's crazy, especially for a guy that is so locked in with the rest of his game. For his putting stroke to be that bad, it just really makes me uncomfortable. Again, though, six of the last eight winners here were first-time tour winners. So that plays into that category. Will's out is looking for his first tour win. Maybe this is the spot in a very weak field that a golf course he can take advantage of. Maybe. Uh, Willie Z was inside the top 25 on tour in driving distance last season, but only hit 56% of fairways. So that combination may be not looking great, but the winner of this tournament on average usually hits right around 54% of the fairways. So again, this week is about overall performance off the tee. You don't have to hit 80% of fairways to win this golf tournament. You have to hit it over over 50%, but you also have to mix in distance, and Willie Z has plenty of that, so it really you know, shouldn't matter too much if he gets off the T well. Again, he's the betting favorite, so of course this is going to be the week that he wins where we can make borderline no money on him, which kind of sucks, but I could see Willie Z in a very, very weak field just going out there and getting the dub for his first win, especially at this golf course. I think it just fits him really well. If, if he doesn't get really yippy on the greens, uh, Mito Pereira is another guy. He just had a top five at the Fortinet championship. He came in solo third. He had three finishes of T six or better last season. One was at the Olympics in eight total starts. So, and all of those are in pretty weak fields. I think a top he had top 10, 3M Open, Olympics, and then like, was it like the Barracuda or something? So the weaker fields, but again, this is one of the weaker fields. He's one of the biggest names in this field, and that should show you that it this field fucking sucks. He led the field in Strokes a and to Green and Napa, which is huge. I love that stat for this week. Just has to make more putts. He was six in driving accuracy. Again, that's going to help around Country Club of Jackson. Average 318 off the tee, which is plenty of distance. So 318 off the tee and six in driving accuracy, that's the perfect combination we're looking for around this golf course. He, again, is another guy that is looking for his first win on the PGA Tour. This is a place that those type of guys have gotten the job done. Look out for me to Pereira this week. And then the last guy that we're going to be looking for is Corey Connors. This is his first start of the year. We bet on this guy a lot, like in April and March last season. He got hot again. That's where we were kind of betting on him during the Florida swing last year. He was third at the Arnold Palmer, seventh at the players. He was eighth at Augusta, fourth at the RBC heritage, and then kind of cooled off a little bit, kind of went down to his kind of to his average ish, if you want to phrase it like that. But then he ended the season with a few nice starts. He had three top 25s in his last four starts. Um, I didn't include... He had a top 25 at the tour championship, but again, that's only 30 guys. And then I didn't include a top 15 at the Olympics. So he played, he played really well in his last, like, say seven starts at the end of last season. He was playing really well. He was T17 here last season. And then he was actually the solo runner up in 2019. So he's shown some really good form at this golf course. He's coming off a good end of the season. He's another guy. Um, He only averages 295 off the tee. And I say only like that's a really small number, but for the PGA tour, that's a smaller number. But despite that, he was eighth in strokes gained off the tee last year, which that's crazy, right? He's just hitting a lot of fairways, averaging 295, gaining – that many strokes off the tee while you only hit 295 is a ridiculous amount. And then he was also ninth in approach. So his TD green play is ridiculous and he can roll it. So he's going to be one of the guys to really target this week. Um, I know that he's only plus, I think I said 2000, but again, if we can get him for a top 10, that's where we're going to put Corey Connors. Cause I do think he's in for a good week. Um, his game just perfectly fits this golf course, but that is it. Get you guys out of here after my rant about the Ryder cup and all that kind of stuff. G- God bless you if you watch the Sanderson's Farms Championship. Um, I have to mentally get prepared for the opponent that the Patriots are playing this week. Um, I'm starting tonight, getting mentally prepared, little Monday night. I don't even fucking know. That's going to be an emotional day for me. They just got their asses kicked by the Saints, which sucks too. But it's going to be a rough Sunday for me. Already not looking forward to it. But. Follow us on Instagram at twilight9pod is our Instagram at Riley Hamill underscore is my personal IG. If you guys want to follow me there too. be on the lookout for my betting piece, that's going to go on golf week, probably Tuesday. I think that's the day that we decided all that stuff is going to go out. So look for it on Tuesday on golf week and obviously all my other stuff on Wednesday. I'm actually going down to Nantucket to cover the U.S. mid a.m which is going to be fun. So I'll be posting uh, pictures and stuff from there. So can't wait to go down and watch those guys play golf. The golf course on tech is ridiculous. So going down there to cover it for the last two days. But enjoy the golf this weekend, guys. If you watch it, enjoy I'm sure that you'll probably watch college football and NFL football over golf this weekend. But that doesn't win. doesn't mean we can't win some money at the Sanderson Farm. So go bet, go win some money. I'll talk to you guys next week.